0: and welcome to another Scott Swahy podcast and today uh, I'm going to be talking with um, Heather McDade and Laura Jones of 404 Inc. Publishers. Hello both. Hello. Um, I'm going to start with the most original question which is tell us in your own words about 404 Inc. and how it, it began. Um,
1: the story, the origin story. The more interesting one involves robot (laughs) wars, the less interesting one... Does not involve (laughs) Let's talk about robot wars. Yeah, go for it, that's your part.
2: Well, um, so Laura and I were working together for the Solitaire Society doing their virtual book festival, Scotlet Fest, and while we were working there we were kind of talking about what we wanted to do in the industry or we wanted to see in the industry because we both studied publishing and we realised quite early on that our ideas aligned and we'd both been individually thinking the same things but not taking the leap to launch it, so we figured we would join forces might be a good idea, but we spoke about that quite a lot. But then Robot Wars came to Paisley, because that's where they were filming it. So we went to see Robot Wars, and it was amazing. And then on the car ride home, we were like, are we actually going to do it, or are we going to keep talking about it? And on the car ride home, we just kind of decided we're going to do, basically, we're going to launch it. And that was in March. And I think we laid the groundwork for everything. It took us three months to come up with a name, though. But, like, Robot Wars was, like, when we decided, like, we're not just going to keep talking.
1: Yeah, I forgot. Come up with a name. Was
2: oh, it, <laughs> it? oh, no. That's no good. I don't like it. Honestly. For three months, we had half a name. We had an ink. And yeah, like, <laughs> we had just putting <laughs> words in front of ink. And like, mm. We thought it was very clever to have ink. is I-N-K, not I-N-C. We're like, oh, revolutionary. Yeah. we front kind of loads of other publishers have also done it as well. But, <clears throat> yeah, we just put every word possible in front of it and then we got to error ink, which isn't yeah. doesn't roll off the tongue. And then you really like, what about four oh four? And then we're like, oh.
1: yeah, that's quite good actually.
2: Yeah. We like we like the it. And of that. then we launched it like I think we registered it the, the next day. We don't really mm-hmm. wait around and we have a good idea evidently mm-hmm. but <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Um, I suppose <laughs> one of the good things about working collaboratively, is the, if that's the word, I don't think it is, if um, there's the support you can give each other, but I suppose the difficulty is finding out whether your ideas are the same. And mm-hmm.
2: I think we worked out our ideas were the same from when we were talking, but our kind of backgrounds and approaches are very different. So like anyone who's ever worked with us will know. like, Laura is the more sensible, she researches stuff, she has actual industry experience that goes, that's not possible. Whereas I come from a journalism background where deadlines are like a week from now. So it makes sense to me to just jump in and do stuff. And I think between it we get this kind of middle ground where we go faster than normal but you actually stop as like killing ourselves with overworking. I'm,
1: I'm the one that checks the bank account and says no. <laughs> yeah. Stop. And then, stop. Like, <clears throat> and then right. if I deem that the cash flow is worthy then yes we
0: will do it. <laughs> So uh, what was it uh, when you were having your initial discussions about the way publishing is perhaps mm-hmm. or, uh, or in mainstream publishing that you thought mm-hmm. I'd like to do something different?
1: I think the main thing is that nothing really excited us. Um, I think there, there's very worthy of course there's worthy authors out there who I think could be presented in a way that's just so much more interesting. The, the big problem I always experienced and felt was that um, down south in England like, the representation of Scottish literature isn't as good as it could be
0: it's always non-existent I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. and um, and it's absolutely not the fault of Scottish publishers but there's something that we can do we can shout a lot louder about our books and um, be a lot more passionate about them and so we have this quite sneaky way of marketing ourselves when we launched that we marketed ourselves as a UK publisher
2: mm-hmm. it
1: sounds like a bit of a roundabout way because we didn't want people to think oh why are they marketing themselves as the UK are they, are they pretending, they're, are they not proud is it the Scottish cringe going on here mm-hmm. But no, it's the opposite. It was meant to like try and get some representation in English bookshops, um, and hopefully the sales will be good there. And then they'd find out oh, they're based in Edinburgh. We've had people um, ordering books from us saying uh, like in America, mm-hmm. um, asking why the posters were so expensive. I say it's because we're in the UK. Like, oh, I thought you were an American publisher. Like we kind of apparently put out an okay. American vibe to some people. Yeah. So that's quite interesting. Uh, so so we wanted that. We wanted to present local voices throughout the country as much as we could in an interesting way um i think that's where you're kind of
2: my soapbox about social media (laughs) um i we just went to so many events (coughs) with publishers or industry people would say social media is a short window and it doesn't sit it doesn't make you money Mm -hmm. that's what you do to maintain the appearance so that bookshops and that's where you get sales and we just thought it was really short-sighted because we like i buy most stuff via stuff i see online and we just felt people weren't getting sales through social media or like building an audience through it properly because they weren't trying hard enough. And if you don't think you can do something, you're definitely not going to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. So we always went in with a view. We don't have the Bookshop Connections when we launched. We don't have all the other infrastructure, but we have social media. And we just felt we could use it better. And I I think Mm -hmm. we did. I mean, our first video for Patreon, literally our launching thing, we didn't say who we were. And we had just a glitchy video that said page not found yet and that was it and people gave us money on Patreon off the back of that and we're mm-hmm. like that told us that there was a gap for just interesting yeah I mean I was one of those
0: I didn't know who was behind it but <laughs> this kind of came <laughs> up anyway. oh this is new this is it piqued my interest and sometimes that's that's what you need you need to mm-hmm. kind of in mm-hmm.
2: you yeah, just thought the anonymity gave us the chance to just do weird stuff and see what happened because we knew especially from Face. Friends back you because you're all friends in support of each other, but we wanted to see what people thought when they literally didn't know who it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was kind of nice to see a lot of our friends were in it without knowing it was us. And we were experiencing fatigue of having ourselves out there on social media all the time, ironically. You know, when you run a virtual literary festival, you've been
1: living yeah. online and you've been telling everybody to come to my events and do this and take part. And we just wanted to kind of step out of the limelight a little bit because um, we thought, you know, launching <laughs> a new publishing company a day a few days afterwards would have been a bit, you know I don't know if showing off is the right <laughs> term. <laughs> a little bit egotistical, you know. So we decided to do it. Kind of like, to this
0: see. is how you should do it, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, do it for the actual, you know, the brand and the content as opposed <laughs> to. So
0: you mentioned Petron and the, the, the way that you um are funded. So mm. can you tell us a little bit about that. Well
1: oh, Patreon's been going on for uh, quite a while. I think people still think it's a really new thing but it's been going a good few years. It's more of a rolling crowdfunding situation that most people will know Kickstarter. And they'll know that that's a per-project yeah. system. Patron's more of a, you're investing in that artist, and it's not a project. It's uh, It could be a monthly item that the artist puts out. It could be when they want. We have, um, our system is when we want, which is twice a year. So people are pledging money. And they can pledge anything they want, but we have tiers that are like uh, Kickstarter. So if you if you give us five dollars, you'll get the ebook. If you give us ten dollars, it's an American company, so it's dollars. Yeah. It's not nothing kind of dodgy going on there. Um, up and it goes up like that, and it just means that we have we can see money that's definitely going to come in. It's effectively a subscription service. That's, yeah. that's how we've been we've been working it. Other artists, you know, obviously, um, like the the biggest kind of. Um, aspirational figure, I guess, would be Amanda Palmer, you know, um, who uses it every, pretty much every month she's putting out something and she's guaranteed getting 15,000 grand yeah. or pounds or something like that. And, um,
0: and the oh, first I time know, I kind of came across was in, you know, like small independent um, music labels were starting mm-hmm. to do something similar. Mm-hmm. Um <coughs> Things like Kickstarter as you said it tended to be projects so maybe somebody was put together a film yep. or there was going to be one book and they would film it, but this kind of rolling as you see. And I think the the thing that it does is it engenders a sense of belonging in the people who mm-hmm. get involved.
1: Yeah. That's what we really want we were aiming for. I don't know if we if we quite nailed it no. because um we got so much uh, attention, excitement over the, our first book, Nasty Women, which came just a few months after we launched the Patreon. Properly, our our focus was very soon diverted elsewhere, so we didn't use Patreon as much as we wanted to. It's definitely on our list to to expand. I think in future, yeah. there's definitely something that could be used with that um, yeah. in a long term basis.
2: I think the other thing we liked about it is the money is publicly visible, which seems a weird thing to be happy about, but we don't. Like, I think in particular with publishing, there's a lot of secrecy about stuff, like about sales, about how much money people have. And we were just like, we don't care if people see how much money we get. And we were like, we liked that kind of idea of transparency. And that's another reason like Kickstarter as well was like, instead of just being like, give us money for books, we're like, you can see how much money we're (coughs) asking for, how much we need. And we just kind of felt Mm. that was lacking quite a lot. And yeah.
1: And it's good to not rely on good old Creative Scotland money. Yeah, I've, That's I've always nice as one. well. Absolutely, um, we did get um, a good couple of grand from them um, to do our first lit mag, which I will always be thankful for because they they were you know before anybody knew us, we actually met up with them a few times beforehand with several A4 sheets of paper of ideas of and things we wanted to do, and, and they said, okay, just bring it, bring it down, <laughs> and uh, you know apply for the open project funding for one of these, and um, <clears throat> we'll see then. And luckily, they they been incredibly supportive and. I'm glad we haven't needed to go back to them yeah. since, you know, that yeah. that was the boost we needed to become sustainable at least for a good while. Um so and and yeah, so the patron's just nice is a I think it's f-
2: underused. It is
1: underused.
2: It's one of those like comic creators use it a lot. Yeah. They like thrive on oh, it. Yeah. And I just don't get like there's this weird disconnect between books and comics. I know there's a lot of different things with like being a creator but, but I just feel like the books world just doesn't see the potential that the comics world have and if they like there's a lot that they could take from it so mm-hmm. well I
0: think the books world is still trying to, <laughs> to um, come to terms with with, with many things. Um, you know whether it's and we'll talk about events a little bit later but the way you put on events or the way it's very much this is the way we've done it for you mm-hmm. know oh, centuries here you could say but so decades. Um, and they're slow to accept change and, and grab that definitely. Mm-hmm. But I think hopefully you saw from the responses, as even as you say it was initially just almost like a little teaser of what will be. But the initial response, there is a an audience or a readership out there who want to mm-hmm. kind of join into that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. We want to make that a long-term thing, as far as we can.
0: Yeah, it's
2: been quite exciting, because obviously our goal was to build more of a community around the books, but like we've met loads of other publishers who were doing it before we came on, so there's Mm. a lot of likes of Dead Ink Mm -hmm. down in the Midlands. They're doing pretty much the same thing, and they've been doing it since before we came on, but they're just doing such a good job, and they're showing that like publishers who did exist pre-last year, the year before, when all the Kickstarters kicked off, can change and do stuff. I don't know. Mm. I feel like the indies are doing a lot more exciting stuff for me anyway. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. You mentioned the um, magazines, I think the first publication was Error, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So you have three of these out now? Yes. Yeah. Um, all with a kind of individual theme, Error, mm-hmm. F-word and Power. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the ideas behind doing the magazine. hmm
1: um, that, that was uh, Testing the Waters for us. That was a mixture. Like I had experience in um, typesetting while working at Starbound, but I really wanted to push <laughs> those skills into something that was a little bit more inclusive of uh, pictures and something that was a bit more of a challenge. And you, because you're uh, Heather being uh, in the journalism end and the music writing end, we thought we could bring together literary kind of um, fiction and delving into the music world through interviews and we thought maybe some reviews as well. We thought there there was room for something different because at that time, uh, Gutter was very much the kind of mm-hmm. Scottish literary magazine, and we thought there's room for an alternative. So we, we kind of went in thinking, how could we be Gutter but be different?
2: <laughs> be like, if we did Gutter. If we, yeah, how would <laughs> we do Gutter? Because the thing is, I subscribe to Gutter and I really like Gutter, but it's just, I think there's a weird thing like, there's a difference between the stuff you like and the stuff you would make if you were in charge. So, yeah. like, oh, I really yeah. like all these literary magazines, but I'm always like, I don't think. If I was to ever make a literary magazine, that's how it would turn out. So mm. this was quite fun, actually, just throwing any idea that no one could veto because we were in charge.
1: Yeah, and again, it was also more about fun. Uh, most of the stories, I think, the stories that kind of attract our attention are usually funny, dark. Um, again, that's where we found a good old Chris, Chris McQueer, with his sci-fi uh, Glaswegian fellow. <laughs> yeah, you know. it's a. Um, we're, we're attracted to this stuff that's a little bit more off the wall that I think, you know, again, your traditional publisher is not really going to touch. Yeah. More, um, and I think it turned out we actually had pretty good taste. Like, some of the um, writers we've included have won um yeah. Scotch yeah, right. Book Trust New Rise Awards and whatnot. So I'm like, oh, that's been a nice kind
2: of little validation for us. So like oh Yeah, and like, got into story shops and stuff mm-hmm. as
1: well. Yeah, so that's been good.
0: Um, so there, there were, uh, how it looked... Mm. That was you
1: came up with that and wanted Yeah, uh, we kind of we uh, talked to Bell and Bay and the printers in Glasgow. Yeah. And we said, well, we, we had a meeting. And we had no idea what to do with this. What size do you think it should be? And he showed us loads of things. Like, okay, we well, could be that size. Could be that size. And we had gutter as a reference. And it kind of just came down to price point because, yeah. as it always does. So he told us how much it would cost to print a gutter-sized book. He said, but you know, you could for the exact same price go bigger. He said, this is the limit that we can give you. For the same price, I'm like <laughs> bigger is better. Yeah, that was it. I was like, I was just imagining, and we knew how the paperweight was going to be really heavy. I thought this is going to be a beast.
2: It's like weirdly, I think it's the same size dimensions as like the Walking Dead comics or just any graphic novels. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this like that's why mm. I liked
1: it, cause it yeah, because we we try to include comics in them as well, which is something that we don't think literary magazines have really touched on no. very much, if at all. So we knew it, <clears throat> as soon as we realised it could be that big, well, that's that's room to really. Showcase um, comics and illustration a bit more, uh, so that was a no-brainer. Yeah. We thought we had a bargain.
2: because like, oh.
0: you should say for people who um, haven't seen a copy, or I, I mean, it's a these are it's sturdy publications.
2: I mean, you yeah. hear it come through the letter boxes.
1: You know, described.
0: you In know fact, when a four yeah, yeah, yeah. or four publications <laughs> come through your door. <laughs> yeah. My postman bent. The second one I oh, was no. like, oh, what have you done? Oh. I mean, oh, well, that's my problem. But it is it doesn't fit easily through a <laughs> letterboard. No,
1: no, it's true.
0: Um so how did you get you, you know, you spoke about having comics in it mm. and you interviewed Wilco Johnson in the first oh, yes. one as well. Um, who I didn't know was in Game of Thrones, you know, from yeah. the kind of <laughs> mad guitarist and Doctor Feel mm-hmm. But um so right from the start you we thought we we're gonna have a balance of we're not just gonna do um, mm-hmm. fiction, we're gonna kind of make yeah. It's up essays as
2: well of course mm-hmm. yeah we figured for writing the actual creative writing we don't read one thing so we don't want to publish one thing but for the features we're like I think this is something that's kind of happened through all our books unintentionally as well or partially intentionally it's like not everyone who describes themselves as a reader is they're not the only people who read books so we're like we wanted to include stuff like music so m- music fans would pick it up and then also read creative writing that they probably wouldn't otherwise read and um, we also had an interview with um, Girls of Steel who are like an all girls robotics school team in America and they just go compete with fighting robots and like who like people who would read that feature probably aren't gonna read Glaswegian sci-fi. <laughs> but like we just find the intersection of like people who aren't necessarily a traditional air quote traditional reader mm-hmm. picking up something because they like the look of one of the features and then discovering all this other stuff. Because um one example is the second issue. We have Frank Arrow from My Chemical Romance and since we did the Creeper book a lot of fans have found out about that because they like MCR, picked that up, and they went, "Oh, actually, it's not bad." Like, oh, and we're like, "That's what we like." Is mm-hmm. we're not expecting non people who wouldn't normally read it to be like, "Oh, over- like not overjoyed." But you know, we just want them to be like, "Oh, that's cr- I didn't expect to like that," but and kind of like just get new people, get right in front of new people, basically. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and we and we have um Scottish Gaelic as well because yeah. I have I very much you know I'm sympathetic to to the revival. I have some friends who work in Gaelic revitalization and so on, and it's, it's, it's difficult though. It's um, a challenge in, because I think we initially, we actually wanted to do a lot more translation, and I the money you need to do to do translation. I even wanted to do it from English into Gaelic. Yeah, I, I yeah, didn't yeah. want to do that. But that I've learned that's probably beyond our remit so we do try as far as we can to
0: So I mean that's a, a cost I think that most people wouldn't even consider, Was, mm. is that the kind of thing that you come up against as you're going oh, oh these are the ideas that I would like to do but actually
2: so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think all of our books would be, or everything we've done would be slightly bigger or slightly wilder if we had all the money even stuff like, so all our books are in paperback yeah. but like normal publishers will publish a lot of their books in hardback and then go paperback really boring stuff like that but we just can't afford mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. that so we're just always yeah
1: No, our third book that we did in hardback that was painful to send that order to print uh, it's worth it for that but
0: um, oof <laughs> well, maybe that's a good example of how traditional publishers did it you know you got a mm-hmm. big paperback or a uh, hardback that would cost 20 quid or something like that and the amount of people that say well I just wait for the people back to come
1: oh, out exactly yeah that, and we're those people yeah. <laughs> we know those people we are those people and yeah. um, I think we're aware that the kind of people by and large our demographic are, are yeah are people who aren't <laughs> they don't have money coming out of their ears you know they'll buy their books carefully and they'll consider them
2: so we want to make them as accessible as possible while well, not tanking our company. Yeah, because I think we're more interested in publishing books and getting them in front of people, rather not like rather than making money, but like the making money thing is yeah. somewhat secondary to just finding a book that we really love and just doing anything we can to get it in front of mm-hmm. new readers. Mm-hmm. But one day we'll find a better balance of that.
0: So, um, with your background in journalism and people always talk about you know, the death of journalism, <laughs> you know, um, certainly a, you know, I used to be a, a kind of obsessive magazine buyer and now that's kind of you know going by the way because everything's online Mm -hmm. or whatever but you still want to think to pick up a publication where um you know your interests are catered for so I want to read you know a music interview with someone who I maybe haven't heard from for a while or someone new or um I mean I think about the amount of money I used to spend on comics and don't anymore (laughs) as well was that the kind of I almost like a digest of things that you you liked and you think, well, if we like them, there is going to be other people out there that will as well.
2: Yeah, I think so. One of the things that we were talking about up front is we just like the idea of people picking up the print stuff and it's not like, a, on that we have that as one side, but it's not a snobbery of being like print or die. So we have digital versions of everything except one of our books mm-hmm. it's for an event because we just, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We just wanted people to read the books and we don't care how they do it. And I think part of it, we, we will do everything in print and make it look as good as we can because we still think there's a value to the print product and print isn't dead. No. It's just one not. of those, you have to adapt. And I think a lot of the people in print, particularly in music, which is where I am, like a lot of them just haven't adapted very well to it. Or the ones that have come up since the print era, they have a business model that factors it in. And so they thrive. But yeah, I just don't like that print is dead nonsense. I just feel no. like you just need to work harder to get people to pick it up. Yeah. Like, but I also don't think that there's anything wrong with the digital stuff. I just think you need to work out how to balance the two and not pit them against each other. Mm. I feel like everyone who pits them against each other, they're the ones that are losing because they feel like it's a one or the other type deal. Mm. And we're like, it's, well, it's not.
0: Again, I think one of the problems with traditional publishing and other areas as well was the categorisation. I mean, you see it mm. most obviously perhaps in bookshops. But, um, you know, you say, well, we're do- this is definitely fiction. This is crime. I mean I think Saraband would be very good at kind of breaking those oh. barriers down. Um, this is um you know the Scottish section. You <laughs> see all of these yeah. that you get. And actually that's not helpful to anyone anymore because you're not you're not oh. looking at the subtleties of what being a reader is and how they you know you cross over many different areas. Yeah, I don't
2: think I've ever gone in a bookshop and you know what I want today? A Scottish book. And like that could like, because I mean I get the Scottish section, but I'm also like that's literally every genre ever, and you're like I don't know. It's just it seems weird to separate them off from everyone else. So if you got fiction, you can get fiction. Mm-hmm. But if you want Scottish fiction, you have to go to a separate section yeah. that's it's just stupid. Absolutely. But I also well, I don't know. I don't work in a bookshop so I get why they have to do it, but just from that side
0: I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. So you mentioned um your first book was Nasty Women, mm-hmm. what people may well have heard of. Um were you surprised at how that, that took they? off? Yes. Of, course. <laughs> of, course. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Of course. Of course. Okay, let crazy. me put it another way. Did it change <laughs> the way that you were going to uh, uh, uh,
1: the way they viewed the
2: whole pro- You know, whole oh, oh, usually. Yeah. I mean, like we always say, it kickstarted a Nasty Women, but it absolutely kickstarted just everything that we were doing. My, I'm just getting my smug story in just now. Is that Laura was working the whole day I'm grassing me up for this. Oh yes, Laura was working the whole day that it launched um, at the Christmas market, and she thought. I was like, oh, we'll smash it, it'll be fine. And she thought, we'll get maybe like a couple, 200, 300 pounds on the first day. Then I got to phone her and be like, we got two and a half thousand pounds. And she's like, what? But I think that was the thing, just you can't anticipate that kind of thing. And I think when we saw the reaction, we're like, okay, A, this is happening, which is reassuring because we'd never done anything like that before. But just to have that much money, it just meant we could like not worry about it for a while and actually publish stuff because we're both freelancers and we don't earn a lot of money. And we don't, we didn't have that much injected into 404 in the first place. So I think just immediately when we saw it go over 10,000 in like a week or something, we're like, okay, this A, we can make the book and we can actually do something with it. We, the first thing we did was we paid our contributors more as well because we'd only gave them a kind of, not token fee, but it was kind of as much as we could afford ourselves if the Kickstarter failed. But yeah, it's just, I don't know, you can't really prepare for something like that, but it's just, mm-hmm. I think it changed our confidence and everything as well. I think we were confident in Nasty Women, but...
1: Not that confident. Not that confident. Not £22,000 confident. Yeah, and yeah. I think
2: once it came in, we were just like, when we were doing other stuff like hangs, we were just like, it meant we had the money behind us so we could just go full on and not worry about whether or not we could afford it. And it just, I don't know, I don't think we ever expected mm-hmm. to be able to afford stuff.
0: So, um, what kind of inspired you to do it in the first place as a book?
2: Yeah, oh, Donald Trump. It annoys me that, we're, like, this is the downside, it's like, it's. It's annoying to be tied to Donald Trump because yeah. of the story, but it's mm. literally his election. And we're just yeah. <sighs> that is our fault for calling well, it something well, <laughs> directly. Yeah. Well, I mean, so basically, <laughs> we're in the day after he was, or the morning after his election. Everyone was just so dejected because, like, he won on such an openly racist, misogynistic, mm. hateful rhetoric. And you just like, how do you combat something like that? And you just had the idea the next day. To take the phrase nasty women and just give it to women who would probably be silenced or people who try silence or stories you don't really hear and it just like it just clicked into place because i don't know there's a lot of frustration and no one really knew how to channel that in an actual thing that would cause anything or do it just felt like everyone was sad and there's nothing you could do about it and we thought we'll do this book and it just it gives us a way to platform people who might not otherwise have a platform. And also, it gives people a chance to vent their frustration into a project, so if they're not happy with stuff, they can go, here's my act of protest, as I'm going to help boost these voices. I and that's
1: the funny thing, when it, there's two wee Scottish girls <laughs> in Scotland, quite far away physically from the, the Trump issues, just kind of basically doing a put-em-up, put we up, put them up. Yeah, you know, like We're, we're like shouty, you know, you can't hurt us. Yeah, we just um, figured, like, I don't know...
2: No mm. one, you can't, you can't, no one, evidently, a year on, no one can do anything about Trump, but it just yeah. felt like it gave us some kind of purpose <clears throat> to channel the anger, because it wasn't just that, the whole year no, it was it. a bit of a schedule of, like, <laughs> racist, like, it's always been there, but it just kind of came to a head that year, yeah. of how openly people can act like that and benefit from it, it just doesn't make sense, it's horrible. So it just kind of was, like, an actual thing to channel the frustrations into, and hopefully not take down the regimes and all that stuff but at least have some kind of positive impact on someone is mm-hmm. what we hope to do from it and that felt like a good first book yeah <laughs> basically that felt quite
1: yeah. like a powerful statement it was a you know ballsy one on our part because I think that was it was almost like a make or break oh yeah yeah I was, it was say
0: was it was felt like well if we've done if we do nothing else we've got this book out and it's yeah yeah. we're really proud of it something
1: we'll be proud of so. yeah
0: and when you started getting the essays in um because they are varied Mm-hmm. Uh um, Well, what did you think about about that, about the way that people had reacted to, you know, your call to
2: Oh, perfectly. It, it was really humbling, actually, because, yeah. like, some of the, well, all the essays are very personal, but some of them are, like, so, like, they're gut-punched to read because yeah, they're so absolutely. personal. And, like, when we first got them in the inboxes, because some people would pitch and send the idea, but some people would just pitch and send their essay or, like, a rough draft of it, and you're just reading them going, like, we had no... Thing behind us that said we were qualified to do this or like trust us but they all just trusted us yeah. and we got like i think just this project kind of spoke for itself and people trusted us and i think yeah we were just kind of really humbled we we're like mm-hmm. oh god people are actually trusting us with like some of the worst parts of their lives to yeah. do it justice i worried that we, we would just get loads of essays about how terrible trump is mm-hmm. yeah. I, I was a
1: bit worried about that um and luckily no everybody took it on a total different slant True. even the ones that are uh referencing trying um Chitra Ramaswamy's she refused she said to me, Oh actually I think it's more powerful if I don't use his name. So any paragraphs that she mentions, she just refers to him as, you know, you know, the president and yeah. doesn't use his name, which I really enjoyed. And I, so I like that the majority of the stories are just personal accounts of again, you yeah. know, being a woman and yeah. some of them are framed around the difficulty today. But a lot of them are just age old stories that I think um exist to make Today's uh, younger men and and women who are of the ilk, if you're going to support Trump, may be more aware of. Uh... Mm.
0: I mean, a lot of them did feel like stories that people had been wanting to tell for some time, but just didn't mm. know where to tell them.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's but true. It's like stuff like um, Jen McGregor's essay on like contraception and getting sterilised and stuff like that, like. I've never read so much... I've never... Like, contraception and women's health and stuff like that is not written about properly. No. Like, it's a minefield trying to work out what works and then what works for you and then the side effects and stuff. And actually seeing Jen kind of outline that, we were just like, I've literally never read anything like that before. Yeah. And it's I, I think it's just really helpful. I was actually at a book festival um, seeing Laura Bates, who did the Everyday Sexism Project, and a young girl in the audience was asking about... The jag that's referenced in the essay, and Laura Bates was like, "I," she said, "She had no idea, so she didn't want to like yeah. give advice on it." But like, loads of people were recommending it because they were just like, "That's that's what you get done," and I was just like, "Can you please?" I was like, "If you see the girl on the side, can you please give her this book?" I'm like, not to tell her what to do, but I was just like, she couldn't find any information mm-hmm. anywhere about it, mm-hmm. and I don't know, I just. It's so bizarre that so much... It, I think the thing about Nasty is so many of the stories, it's not the first time they've been told, but I think it's the first time a lot of people have heard them. Yeah. Like, so definitively told, because uh, just a lot is not talked about in mainstream press, or if it is, it's talked about in a very skewed or, like, stereotyped manner or judgmental manner. The contraception one, I think, is the one that's the easiest to find, to be like, this shows, like, it's talked about a lot, but it's not really talked about properly. Yeah, it's right?
0: not talked about in a mm. personal, individual manner. It's, yeah. It is it, in, you know, pamphlets that you've given out at some, you know, but you don't get the, the kind of human cost or the human kind of effect of it. Yeah. Which I think a lot of the stories are like that. It's the human effect of it that mm. it comes down. Mm. Um, so, as it kind of went on and on and on, were you thinking, how do we follow this? Mm. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I was terrified. I... I that's the downside to the success, the whole thing was great, but I was like, oh no, where do we get
2: on oh, now?" Yeah, we didn't want to be pigeonholed as a feminist publisher, we yeah. are feminists who publish, is how yeah. we distinguish it, because like, I would love to publish feminist books all day long, but that's not what we initially set out to do. So, when Chris came along, it was a kind of godsend, because we'd already been talking about Chris before Nasty Women happened, and we are just mm-hmm. like, he'd just be perfect, he's mm-hmm. like, A, he's really talented and hilarious, but we're just like, it's so different to Nasty Women, mm-hmm. that... It, yeah, it was kind of thing we don't have to worry. So we're not publishing something by a woman who's
1: going to be compared to nasty women. Somebody, you know, if if she was if she wasn't a nasty woman, she went, "Oh well, you're you nasty woman." If she was a nasty woman, then be like, "Oh well, it's just another one. it's just another nasty woman book." We just ha- we just knew we had to move on. Yeah. So with Chris, the story was I I I, I claim. Oh, you can have. <laughs> I claim ownership of Chris. um uh, I remember he submitted to our first magazine and that was the Glaswegian sci-fi I was talking about earlier. Uh, really bizarre story and um, we asked him to perform at our first our first event. Yeah, it was the launch for the magazine mm-hmm. and uh, he nailed it. He apparently nearly bolted.
2: Yeah, he nearly bailed because it was the first time. He we read in other press test. that he said that
1: uh, he, he was, he <laughs> yeah, was going to
2: back out. Uh, like, yeah. His mum said, she's like, you'd be stupid to back yeah. out and then
0: so, we should say again. Going back to the idea of doing Chris's book after mm-hmm. uh, Nasty Women, it was. Um, I thought it was a, it was a great move for the reasons that you've set out, but also it had to be a really good book, yeah. which uh, which it is. I mean, it's a, it's 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 one of the funniest. It's very difficult, I think, to be funny on page, mm-hmm. and he manages it brilliantly. So, um, so you were saying he was he was <laughs> ready to bolt from his uh, <sighs> first live appearance.
1: Yeah, and. He nailed the event, he did turn up, you could see see he he had the nerves, but he powered right through it, and I think that night, a lot of the performances had been quite serious, quite dark, and he was that nice breath of fresh air in the room, everybody, I think, was relieved to have something to laugh at, so it really bounced off, and he obviously really loved it. Uh, so I caught him afterwards and said, you know, was that, was that good? Did you enjoy it? And he was like, oh, that was the best, <laughs> the best day of my life, which he said every time. Every time he's done an event, he has said that's the best yeah. time of his life, which is quite nice. But then and I said to him, well, do you have a short story collection? Do you have more? And he's like, yeah. I was like, uh, can you send it in, please? And again, in, in press, we've read that he thought we were just... Um, being polite. Being publishers who say, please send us... Send, send us this what you got. Box. Yes, <laughs> quite... Um, so he took a bit of prodding I had to email him a couple of weeks later and say, Oi, no, actually do this please <laughs> and he did and um, we wanted to, wanted to sign him up immediately because he had all these stories that were from um, he was putting them up on Medium um, online so he already had a fan base and people who loved the stories so we'd read those and then said, well do you have any more? And he did so we got some new ones for the book and uh, we, we took it from there basically um, we were, I was really glad to get him because I think he was Thinking
0: about going to Fright. Oh, I'm like, no,
1: no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be with us. <laughs> yeah, we we'll <make> <laughs>
0: yeah, oh. um, It should say the book's called Hinges. Um, yeah. short story collection. And um, uh, you were saying he's going to be at the comedy, comedy festival? Yes,
2: on the 15th of March at the Grosner Cinema. He's got, mm-hmm. I think it's a 90-minute slot, and he's going to be reading from Hinges, doing some stand-up and some sketches with mm-hmm. some friends, I think. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to be his first proper show outside of like just readings so
0: and it's it's odd to hear you say that you know he was nervous and of course you know everyone gets Mm. nervous doing these things but he is a very good performer i mean you know he's got he's got the charisma to carry off definitely
2: oh yeah Yeah, even like with the nerves on the first one he was like amazing it wasn't like he was good for a first time performer. like he was Mm. just really good and i don't know i think until you actually take the leap and perform or do something Mm. that you don't really know Mm.
1: It's just been so nice to see him blossom. Yeah. again, it's a
0: voice that actually uh, is is really heard. You know, a kind of young Glaswegian mm-hmm. um, working class male. You don't get those. No matter there's this whole idea of you know Clyde Sidism the Glasgow mm-hmm. book. That tends to be stereotypical hard man or detectives or whatever. Yeah, of course. Yeah. To hear um, something that's actually closer to early than Welsh kind of kind of was was it was um, new and and and. A really vibrant actually uh, you know.
1: Um. Yeah. I think that's a lot of the humour it's based it, not just the absurdism it is a lot of the oh, I'm sure a lot of people know these exact characters, slightly yeah. exaggerated well, like, My best
2: part was from Shelston. And like she said she read the book and one of the stories is based in Shelton, mm-hmm. and he references like the Shelton Young Team or whatever they're called. She's like, They were on my street. <laughs> it's just like she obviously never seen the Shelton Young Team <laughs> represent and it's just kind of nice when you see people who are actually from Glasgow who are just like, I've never seen my mm-hmm. town or whatever or my part of town, like written about
0: But that's hugely important, I think, yeah. you know, people to have some kind of representation. In, in arts or culture is because it kind of verifies that, well, I just don't, you know, it's not just me that thinks of like this, I'm not just forgotten about, you know, there are people mm-hmm. not just writing about it, but writing about it in a very upbeat and funny way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I think the other thing is like, is it's, even if things aren't necessarily positive, but it is positively written, it's not written like from a perspective of looking down on like Glasgow, because I feel like whenever i read non crimey books about Glasgow, a lot of it is kind of snobby. Mm-hmm. And it's just refreshing to read actual someone who's from Glasgow and who doesn't look down on
0: Glasgow and I don't know. Mm. Or parts of Glasgow that aren't, you know, the West End and you know that yeah, sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um I do feel that there's been to be folk who read it who say, See that Samuel I song you got for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, it's it's um, yeah. as you say, it's stories that I think a lot of people um, I told this story before on the podcast I did with Vicky Riley, but I'm gonna tell yeah. it again. Um, when Chris was at a school in North Glasgow, um, and Sam Best was the teacher of English there, and he said, Chris, you know, just had them the class in the palm of their hand. And, you know, a lot of people who, what you're saying, consider themselves a reader, but lo- loved his stories, got a lot of the references cause it was in that area. Mm. And um, were then asked to kind of write their own stuff, and instead of just you know putting their heads on the desk, they actually did it. They actually mm. went for it. That's an incredible thing to do. Right?
1: Yeah, I think that's the likes that Chris has because even now he's he's studying creative writing right now, so he's working on getting better. Like he's really taking this quite seriously, um, mm. and it's nice that. Oh yeah, it's like he told me that. Um, when he was at one of his um, classes and uh, they're all just working away, and his tutor was like, uh, Chris, could you come up here, please? He did. He wandered up and then looked around his computer, and then this tutor pointed at the screen and said, What's this? And this is book on Amazon. Because <laughs> Chris just hadn't told him <laughs> <laughs> he'd have this book out. So he had to explain himself and just be like, Oh no, I just I want to you know actually get better, you know," which I think is really admirable. Yes, I know, I know a lot of authors who would just think, Oh, great. That's me set up for life. I know what I do. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is me. I'll just turn out more of the same. And he's like, no, he really wants to yeah. expand.
0: I can think of a few writers that it would have benefited them to try <laughs> something else, without naming names. No. Um, so, the next book was, was it The Goldblum Variations that you brought
1: out? No, technically it was Creeper. Right. Talk like, about Creeper. Cause the, this, the, is, the yeah. this is the odd one. Yeah. the one that confuses a lot of people.
0: Well, it says it it's classified still on your website, so <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure how much we could
1: talk about it. <laughs> classified in the fictional world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was well, this, this is your baby. Yeah, we kind of I'm on, like, who takes the... Yeah, this is what work. keeps happening. Yeah, That's always uh, was yours. Chris is mine. The creeper's yours.
2: Yeah, basically, we were looking for a book for the end of the year, and it would have been just after Nasty Women* came out. So there's this rock band called Creeper, and they released their first album February, March time. And they're just so they're just so good. Basically, they do all the stuff in music that we wish the book world had. So they created like this whole concept album. But they do stuff like they've done like um, so they performed at Redbrick. Um, right, they performed at Reading Festival, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then they went missing. After it. and all air the quotes. social media... Yeah, air quotes <laughs> for, the, for the audio. Um, and then they, like, this appeared off all social media, but then a number appeared, and they'd phone the number, and it'd be like, on October 2nd, we'll die holding hands. So then they're like, something's happening on October 2nd, and then they ran, like, a treasure hunt, so people would go in and out of Southampton to find this puzzle to work out what was happening. And we are just like, we like that, because they don't do they don't just release a song, they, like, make an event out of it. And they built this whole world around um, the character James Scythe, who went missing, and his case is unsolved, and it's this whole paranormal thing. And we were like, well, that's the perfect thing to do a book for. Um, so I kind of floated the idea by them, and they were touring, and they just loved it. And yeah, that's kind of where that came about. So it's the report of the officer who was looking into his disappearance, and it's all the case files from that. But yeah, just Cooper felt like such a good fit for us. They were they released their first album, and then at the end of the year, they won loads of awards as well, so we feel like we've had this weird mirror yeah. thing with them. Them on a much bigger scale than us, obviously. Oh, yeah, on a but, much bigger yeah. scale, but, like... But, yeah,
1: we... You met up with them first, mm-hmm. earlier in the year, and then you kind of convinced me that this was potentially going to be a good idea, so then we flew down to Southampton together to kind of meet them, and all this had to be crazy secret. Like, none oh, yeah, of this was... Yeah. We
2: had, like, six months of not telling people we were doing it.
1: Yeah, which was a pain.
2: Because <laughs> <Pain laughs> so like, all my best pals really like Creeper, and I was like, no, I can't say anything. Never can,
0: do yeah, really. I was
1: just, like, <laughs> yeah. So... That, that's been that was a lot of fun.
2: It was really hard. Oh, yeah, it was the most stressful. Like, it's cute because Nasty Women was really stressful. I'm like, we won't do this again. And then, like, it was worse with the Creeper one. Oh, it's just because yeah. it was hard back, it was all images, and it's like so intricate. And they were touring in America, and we were doing whatever we, we were, were not. Doing. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I was like the book festival and stuff like that. So, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. yeah it was just, but it looks mean. It end.
1: came together very quickly. Far too late. So, like, like it was right. months behind schedule,
2: kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Nasty Woman we went to print two weeks before it was due to come out, and we were like, "Oh, we'll never do that again." Um, I'm sorry to bring this up, because the copy of it went to print a week before its published yeah. and we managed to get it on time. We had to we had to drive of, to the printers to pick yeah. it up straight oh, yeah. off the press, yeah. and then drive it
1: into bookshops, kind of thing. It yeah, was, because uh, it was tied to the return. But yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. It's just one of those. I think we just wanted a book that was. Different. I don't, it's really weird because with our books, we don't actually think what we want to publish, we think who we want to publish, and we just, yeah. so like Chris was an amazing fit, and like Creeper, they just felt like they would be perfect to do a book with, and they're so creative and fun. And we're also, our main thing is we love rock music, so we're like, it would just be quite nice to move into that field slightly.
1: And then it um, meant that we could go on tour with them in December, which we didn't say tour with them, again, air quotes, we did the tour. We did, we went to each of the dates and, and sold the books there. Way. Oh, yeah. It was good until the last day.
2: Yeah. There was the blizzards across England. Right. So we were driving from Manchester to Southampton and picked up a car at five in the morning and at five p.m. we finally got out of the car in Birmingham. God. Yeah, we got like, (laughs) uh, what, nine hours in and then a police car came up the opposite side of the road just going, the south is closed. And we're like, so we had to phone them and be like, we're not going to (laughs) make it here. So we ended up getting a train home for way too much money. For £250. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's that. the glamour. That. I mean, that's just that's the yeah, still
0: so wrong. How, I'm interested. How did the book get written? Then I mean, was it was it from the band that wrote it, or? Uh, it's,
1: it's two um, members but, of the band, Will and Ian. Um, it's the singer and the guitarist. They've been mates going back years, yeah. years, years, years. So they've been loads of bands together, and
2: Creepers their most recent. They created this whole world between the two of them. So like that's their kind of baby, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we just kind of when i met them i was like well here's the various ideas for a book that i would think as a fan would be quite good and then from that we just worked together so then at that meeting they told us the whole well they told me the whole story to pass on to you and it was kind of a collaborative thing but yeah we just we knew what the story was and we just had to work out how to to
1: well, fill some blanks because a lot of the stories had been built you know amongst uh, some marketing campaigns you know yeah. so we had like all the key facts about when he goes missing when like his wife dies when this happens. When this what happens, so we, so we had to figure out, you like, know, he goes missing for this time. What we had, we realized at one point we looked at the timeline. There was like a gap of seven years that we had to fill yeah, up. but so you sat time. there, going, right? Okay. Yeah. So we, so you know, so our kind of like
2: writing chops got tested. Yeah, in yeah. that, really. Um, the other thing is like what I like about it is it's kind of like the Twin Peaks book where you can read it, but there's no one way to read it. And same with like S by J. J. Abrams. So mm-hmm. it's like there is no set way to read it. And there are lots of different conclusions you can draw. But the thing I like about it is that there's loads of like Easter eggs in the book, but people have read it as a book because mm-hmm. they think it's a book. But we're like, see if you actually look, there's like loads of stuff that's outside the book that right. you can like so, like. There's
1: URLs and stuff that you actually are it real, exists. Yeah. If you email an address in there you'll get an auto response with more like, in there.
2: But no one's realised that yet and and like, which is quite good because we're just like, well, at some point someone's going to notice something and People then. We're going to start looking into it. It's yeah. one of those. Because I, I get the ending is quite confusing because it's like there's no start finish, but we're like the ending is there. Sort of. Yeah. Know. And it's if like, you're. The,
1: the, the Creeper fan base is insanely dedicated. It's yeah. very much, again, you're mentioning My Chemical Romance, that kind of fandom. Right. So they're a bit, on average, a bit younger than us. So really avid.
2: They're on it. They're My favourite thing, so like, not to harp on with My Chem, but like, when I was like, younger, My Chem were like my band, and I would know everything about them, so like, any detail I'd be like, I'm on it. So when we did the Creeper thing, we teased that they were doing a book, but no one knew what, no, they teased, because we weren't involved at that point in this thing. And two teenage girls... They just got it. They went, You're publishing a book with 404. They put it all together. They even emailed us to check and we sent this like blacked out fake email back. Mm-hmm. But like we met them in Manchester and we are just like, That's so cool that actually yeah. loads of people were like, What's happening? And these two teenage girls just like knuckled down with all the facts and they just got it. And like, she came with like a whole folder full of notes that she'd yeah. taken from the book. And I was just like, That's what I wanted from this yeah. book. It's like, mm-hmm. I wanted to do a book that Creeper wanted, but I also wanted to do a book that the kind of me as a 14 year old fan would go, Right, this is it kind of thing.
1: My favourite thing is when we first teased it, when you sent out um, a picture of um, the diary to press. So mm. some of the press started sharing it, and we shared it, and then and Creeper shared it. And there was um, a number written on the back, which was um, the date. that we were, Yeah, the date we were going to mm-hmm. announce it, um, but we didn't say it. So it's just a number. And my god, the fan base went mad oh, trying to figure was, out this number. We had to release more things
2: to counter stuff because people were like, Well, the only this we didn't know this, they only had to live in music videos out, so they're like, Well, the 12th video is gonna be room 309 because they and were like, Nope, that's not it. So we had to like backtrack that. And no, then but, there was one like um, 309 days in the year, so on this, on the 309th day, this thing's and we're like, no no, my favourite one that we had, and I was slightly terrified about
1: it. Was it a um, coordinate? Yeah, it was when somebody thought that that was a coordinate and they looked it up, <laughs> and it beca- it was a coordinate in a field, but originally outside of Southampton, which is where they're from.
0: Right.
1: I can't believe the chances of that. So, so they I can see them start, start talking about. Well, maybe we should go out to that field and.
0: They're like,
1: oh God, I'm going to feel responsible if they go out and start digging up some poor <laughs> farmer's field
0: yeah. and. We Take have to. Power or yeah.
2: So. Luckily, they got not. Yeah, we had to like message Will and Ian and be like, We're gonna send you more stuff to put out to try to get people. Because it's like, it was amazing, but we just didn't actually. Because we were just like, Well, this clearly means that. And then when it got <laughs> released, we were like, Oh no. No. Because we, yeah. But that's, that's what we think book marketing lacks. Like, yeah. when yeah, I can't, like, there's so many books that come out and I don't remember ever seeing them being announced. So if we yeah. announce a book, we want it to be like, a thing.
1: Then I think if you're okay with it really causing waves with that one little niche of an audience you've mm-hmm. chosen, it doesn't have to be everyone, because yeah. again, Nasty Women, Hings and Creeper are all completely, generally different audiences, and if you really nail the ones you're focused on, yeah. that's great, that causes ripples for the rest of them.
2: Yeah, I feel like too much of book publishing or just stuff in general is they trying to cater to everyone, I'm like, no, just find something that's really good, and yeah. just aim for the people who you think will like it most. Like mm. I just So yeah, So most people don't know about that Creeper thing, that that's how
1: powerful that book was Look like, oh well we don't know what that is, we don't care. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, like, we're absolutely. totally fine with people
2: not getting it. It's been quite funny seeing some people we know in the book world trying they're like, So the creeper book and we're like, you you don't need to don't, know don't, what that <laughs> it is. Yeah, <laughs> we don't it's, it's okay. We you know don't you know. don't know. It's fine. No, we can skip
1: over that. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: But um music in general seems to be important in you kind know, of what you do and, and how you kind of do not been at your yeah. events and stuff like that. Yeah. Um was that always gonna be the case? Have you thought
2: mm-hmm. I think so. I think for me, like my background's in music journalism, and I have been an avid reader of music books. And it took me until I was like maybe eighteen to realize I don't think I'd read a single one about or by a woman. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it's all. I mean, I like Guns N' Roses, but I read like everything to do with like Guns <laughs> N' Roses, and, that, and I'm like, it's just the same story, like yeah. from Motley Crue, and it's the same book over and over, and it's the same dude getting the same book deal over and over, just a different band. And I don't know. I just. Maybe at some point we want to do more music stuff. But we just like the idea of actually doing the more interesting side of music mm-hmm. publishing. Because like, we've all heard the sex, drugs and rock and roll yeah. thing. And like Gene Simmons has slept with 3,000 women. But I'm like, so how many books does he need to say that? Like, So I like music too much to let it be like a Gene Simmons club <laughs> more. So I think with the Creeper thing, they're a band. And it's the thing, my came again. They're the perfect band to do a book with. But they obviously didn't do a book properly. Mm-hmm. But like there's so many bands who do such creative things and yeah. it just stays as music and video, which is good. But there's so many other things they can do. And I think that's where we we're more interested, is like maybe mm-hmm. offering more creative bands an opportunity to expand into an area that would be harder for them to do otherwise. Mm-hmm. And
0: when you've done events, you do have music, you do have mm-hmm. spoken word, um, you know, basically if anything that you know you think is gonna be a performance poetry, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and things. I think that's something else that traditional publishing has not quite got its head round, and which is odd. You would think, you know, these should be nights out for people, and and you know they might not like mm. all the music, but they might be there to see a reader. And then you know you are having this kind of cross of things rather than have one reader, one book questions after 40 minutes, mm-hmm. that's us, time's up, um, mm-hmm. sign some books in a way, but mm-hmm. I, I just think that's, but it's amazing how many, having spoken to them myself, how many publishers when you say, well, have you thought of putting a band on, are kind of like, oh no, I don't think we want right to do that.
1: Yeah. No, we want to do that, we wanted it in London, um, the yeah. London launch I'm of Nasty Women, we really wanted that to be a gig. Yeah. We wanted that to be a place where you get drunk, <laughs> yeah, yeah. basically, and... We couldn't work out a full band in the end, but we got Ren from um, Nasty Woman. She, yeah, yeah she uh, kind ka- of karaoke her own song. Oh, it was so good. But it still works. So she had, like, the backing of her song on really loud, and then her just screaming along with it just, I think, terrified the audience. And I yeah. love that. And, um, yeah, again, we had uh, Fisty Muffs at our last gig in December in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah... I, I, you just reminded me how it goes back full circle. This is going back, um, you know, r- classical times, and it's reminded me of when I studied English literature at um, Edinburgh that writing is always meant to be performed. That's yeah. how it was performed. Yeah. You'd not you'd never sit in a house on your own quietly reading, and that's it. Uh, so I think we've gone full circle, that we've gone through that period, and it'd be nice to go back to getting readers out together, to experience yeah. literature altogether. Yeah. Um, and so it's a less of an isolated experience i I do find like last year uh, it's the the busyness of disco of four or four that I barely read anything I, don't yeah. think I actually did read a full book, and I think it's now when I do sit down I feel like oh I'm, I'm a bit isolated I, want, I just want to be with other readers and and think an environment of a performance, especially with a band music music crosses so many barriers yeah. that I think that's something we really want to have involved
2: Cause i like like i like Book launches at bookshops, but it's the same thing as like that mm. you've got one person reading, so only people will come for that person, and you're not going to discover. Like, if I'm going to a book launch, I already like the writer, or I think it's someone I'm going to like, I don't think I'm going to be surprised by it. Mm. And just like the idea that you can go to a night out, like, I think it's because we've been working with and a lot of our friends are in spoken words, so we've kind of borrowed that from them. It's like you go to see one person at a spoken word show, and then you're like, everyone else is amazing. And I just think that kind of lack, if you have one event for one person for one book, you kind of lack the idea that people can discover it. Yeah. Because need, they need to be convinced of the thing before they go to the event. And I don't know, I think it's the same. Because we're really busy at the moment, I can't go to nearly as many events as I used to do. So I'm kind of like, I just don't go to, even like my favourite authors could do like a book event just, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I don't know. I've already seen it. I'm, yeah, but like, that's what it is. I think once you've already seen someone, you've already seen them. And I think it's more interesting to do it in a performance thing. You yeah. can go see the same... Like, I I will go see a band a million times because they'll do different stuff every yeah. time. And I think that's the thing that kind of book events kind of lack is it's usually the same thing read, the same format. And I think there could be some zhuzhing of I think it that's work.
0: where, um, you know, if you've got a literary magazine, you have got the perfect place to kind of get different <laughs> readers. And so someone might go... Well, uh, I've heard of Chris McQueer, but I'm going to go along here and say, "Oh, this sounds interesting." That person, mm. and you do. Okay. I've often thought that uh, in the same way that bands have support acts, that you know book launches could have support readers. You know, well, someone like coming along.
2: Chris's launch in Edinburgh. So we had we did the bookshop <laughs> launch in Glasgow, but we did one in Edinburgh, and he had like a five performer bill for him. And it was like so we had I we knew Jen McGregor, I think it was and Ross McCleary were the two that I'd heard read, but we had Sam Small and. Layla yeah. Josephine and.
1: Martin McGurty.
2: Mar- and I'd never heard any of them, and like Layla in particular, I was just like, she is amazing, how have I not heard of her? And I think it was way more fun, like the Glasgow one was good, but like actually just everyone drinking, everyone seeing loads of different performers, Chris coming up a few times in between, a lot of the performers being different to him but for the same kind of audience, like the overlap. We're just like, that's how we want our book launches to be, and I think that's what we want to keep doing, so like obviously we have Helen coming up, and it's not going to be quite as rowdy. But I think we still want to do something slightly different, so we have her actual book launch, but we'll find something that unusual to yeah, do. Yeah, just more yeah. interesting and intriguing. I
1: think this um, I think we have basically like a literary crush on um, Noirikey. Oh yeah. yeah right. We kind like, of want to be the publisher version of Noirikey. I think ultimately, because yeah. um, when we did, we did do a reading for them, which was, that was terrifying, <laughs> just being
2: <laughs> in front of that many people reading not our own work. Yeah,
1: that was a thing. Um... I really want us to have... Because it's going to be our two-year birthday yeah. in July this year. Well, spoilers. Right? So it would be nice to do, like, a really big bash. Yeah. Um, it's kind of in our long-term plans. And I, I like the idea, instead of doing loads of little ones, we just do one Yeah. big, yeah. big one in a yeah. big venue somewhere that we can just get all the literary people of it's like, Scotland into. That's kind of my dream, but <laughs> I don't well, there's know. There's, like,
2: so many anniversaries of stuff happening. And I'm like, where was your party? Mm. What, why are you not having parties? Because yeah. like, I... I have a party every year for it. Like, we're going to do this every year, just me, be like, we're three. Like, that's yeah. like, that's an irrelevant number. But, like, when you get to, like, <laughs> I don't know, 20, 30, 40, I'm like, why mm-hmm. why aren't you throwing parties? People would come. Yeah.
1: You'd and it's sell a bus- books. It's, it's, like, it's, it's a business thing. You yeah, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not just everybody you know.
2: Yeah, and, like, you've got so. all these authors, like, you, I don't know,
0: but you think it's, people think they only do that when they have something new rather than... Something say, like, new right. like, or it'll I be... I think
2: people don't care about the publisher so they won't show up. Whereas we're like, if you throw a party every year, people would show up and it'd be banging. Like, yeah. I don't know, I just Or it'd be something
1: like Cachette who would do it on their rooftop yeah. in London and have you know Neil Gaiman there and all the
0: industry people there. Yeah. So it's
1: very closed off, whereas I think we'd have a much more open...
0: But I think it goes back to what mm. we spoke at the beginning about you know, people feeling they belong or at least they're mm. part of something. Then I think you, you, if you say you were. We're putting on a 404 or gig. People go, yeah, we're going because we trust. That's what you mm. do, and, and I mean it happens again. But with record labels, if, oh, yeah you, you know, they say, well, or no, because it's a great example. They don't. You can. I don't care what they're putting on. I know they're going to put on something that we're going to go and mm-hmm. uh, and enjoy whatever it is because you trust the curators of the whole thing.
1: That yeah. that was our long term plan. We yeah. really wanted 404 to be a a, a brand that you kind of go, oh yeah, that's like a tick of approval, and we we yeah. trust that.
2: And the other thing is like. The problem with on the event side is like when you're doing books, this focus is the books and we're like, well, we're doing books, but we want to build all this other stuff around the books. So like mm-hmm. stuff like audiobooks and that we'll just do it ourselves and we'll build all this other stuff and try be more do more interesting stuff. I think for us as well and the author because like making books is fun, but if we were just making the books and then putting them out it would be quite repetitive. Whereas actually we've got so many amazing authors, we should mm-hmm. like we got the pub with them. Mm-hmm.
0: And Adrian. I guess if you've not got time to go to other people's events, you might as well make yeah. your own ones. <laughs> you?
2: oh, yeah, <laughs> that was one of our New Year's resolutions last year: is we're going to like eight take mm. days off because we didn't do that last year, and we're going to actually try go to more events. And I think I've been to more events so far this year than I did for like the whole last six months. I haven't yet, just because I've been ill.
1: You've been mm. Writers awards. I'm, i have going to do that anyway. But that's <laughs> that, that's that's that's. that's,
0: that's a shindig mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that's in the literary calendar.
0: Yeah. Um. You mentioned Helen Ellen before, <laughs> Um. <laughs> and I'm. Um, of a fanboy of her. Of her. <laughs> She's fantastic. Uh, so she brought out the Goblin <laughs> variations. So yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. <sighs> hmm. Well, <laughs> Can you? <laughs> so basically,
2: what actually happened was, so we signed Helen back in August. And we kept it secret oh, yeah. for three months. What was that like? And she'd been writing Mayhem and Death, which is a lot darker than her previous books. Mm-hmm. So she went, as a bit of a detox, I've written a short story thing on Jeff Goldblum. Would you want to do anything with it? And I was like, let me talk to Laura. And then I was like, yes. So yeah, it was. she just wrote it as a detox to all the kind of dark stuff in her previous books. And then we read it and it was just hilarious. Mm. But it just. She wrote so... it in two days. She wrote it very publicly. So she was talking about it on Twitter and getting. Yeah, because she tweeted going, would anyone want that? Or should I write it? And I was like, I would publish the hell out of that. So then she DM'd me, and she's like, would you? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And she sent us it, and we're just like... Because we were already talking about doing something with Chris, like um, mm-hmm. a pamphlet, and it just made sense that we could do them both. It was mm. quite weird, actually, because I, I actually had to be on the phone to lawyers about this, because um, <laughs> because it's a Jeff Goldblum thing, I had to talk to lawyers and be like, can we do this without getting in trouble? And they said, which is now my favourite line, what are the chances of Jeff Goldblum seeing it? They gave us actual legal advice as well, but they're like, mm. what are the chances of Jeff Goldblum seeing it? And I was like, well, I would probably have sent him it, in, sent him it anyway. But then Jeff Goldblum came across it himself and we're like, yes. Mm. It's just, I don't
0: know, it's just bizarre. I think these days pretty much the chances are of someone coming across something that are really high.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: You know, because if it's out there and it's got their name, I'm not saying Jeff's sitting googling himself <laughs> night and day. He tracks
2: his name on Instagram, that's how he found it. Yeah. Which is like, but I was just, yeah, I don't know. Because I've seen
0: something. him talking about bad tattoos of him. Oh, yeah, he's um, amazing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he is aware of the obsession that is it. out. But as you said, me him, Death, which is a short story collection that he has mm-hmm. got coming out. Mm. Um... Yeah,
1: talk. You talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. if you can. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's coming out in Oh god, two months. Yes. Uh, um. Yeah. So, on the edges of vision was the first one. That was the yeah. Saltire Society award-winning for first first book of the year in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. Um. And again, uh, you were kind of in love in love with it. Oh, I love it. Um, it was like my
2: favorite book I read that year. Mm-hmm. And then we saw Helen say that um, the copyright had reverted back to her because the publisher who published it doesn't. Anymore, yeah, they were based in
1: Texas, whole um, mm-hmm. places. So
2: they they were wrapping up, so the rights
1: so the rights had reverted. I can't remember if that was um after we signed off. Just no, before, was that it before? no.
2: We literally emailed her because the rights reverted because because uh-huh. we were like we approached her and we were like, do you want to republish that mm-hmm. and do you have another collection? Because we'd be interested in that. And then she was just like, yeah. And so it was l- literally when she tweeted saying that she had the rights to her original collection. We were like because mm-hmm. when we set up 404 and people were like what do you want to publish and we were like I don't know someone like Helen McClory was how we would describe it <laughs> mm-hmm. so when we saw like that she had that and she'd been writing new stuff we were just like we felt like we'd be a good fit and we feel like we can give her the time that she's maybe not had with previous publishers and actually like put a lot of effort behind mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of and Yeah.
1: so um yeah, so we signed Mayhem and Death um, at the book festival. Yep. It was very, it felt very official. I'd never been to the Edinburgh Book Festival on terms of business before. <laughs> Have a meeting with her and Jenny Brown, um, her agent. That's our first time working with an agent as well. But I know, I know Jenny, so mm-hmm. so that was nice. And she seemed keen on our vision for it because um, the feel of it is is very um, quite mythical, a contemporary twist, dark twist on you know, mythical creatures and ideas that people will be familiar with probably. So I, was, I I just, while I was reading it, I was like, I can really envisage, I can see woodcut illustrations and designs accompanying this. So that's like every story is going to have one, having an illustration to make it just more of a beautiful object wow, um, as well. So uh, we're currently working on that. Um, currently working on the cover, which is our hardest cover yet right, by okay. far. But we've been really lucky that Nasty Women... Couple of days. Yeah, really, like,
2: one of the first drafts of Nasty Women is pretty much what it. Is. That's
1: what it was. Chris took only a couple of drafts. Really, yeah. that was pretty quick. Creeper was effectively done for us pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. So this is the last. This is the one where we're gonna like, oh, this is hard to do because she's already got some kind of reputation. Because yeah. I think for the other books, this was all fresh. Yeah. So she's already got a reputation. So we kind of had to fit into something, and so we're still. I think we're just about there yeah, now. Yeah, we got
2: drafts through yesterday mm-hmm. that we're yeah, that yeah, we're so happy that's... with. So I
1: think we're just about there. Um, so we really wanted to give her a, just a, a fresh brand and that push because again, so it's like her first publisher um, closed, and then her next one was Freight, and I believe the the Freight Madness started on the day that oh yeah, it was her book her launched. debut book launched. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she's had a really rough ride of it, and we we really want to give her a good go. Um, so we're giving her. Hopefully, a really nice, nicely produced book, and it, I, I'm really intrigued to see how people are going to react to it after *On the Edge of the Vision* because it's so different. Yeah. I think it's you can tell it's the same writer, but the th- thematically, it's very dark. It's not um, easy. It's not easy reading.
0: Is it quite different from *Flesh and Peach* as well? Then is there because there's some yeah, dark yeah. themes in that.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I, mean. I think the themes. I think thematically it might be a bit of a continuation, but in its in its own right, it's. It's a challenge, it's definitely literary fiction, and we haven't done literary fiction yet, so we're we'll gonna have some fun, I think. Yeah, working on that one.
0: Um, I, uh, I'm interested, I was looking through the um kind of introduction to error just to see you kind of an original, oh, yeah. Folk. and one of the things you said was oh, um, we want to publish debut novels, and that's still huh. kind of <sighs> yeah, exactly. Like, seen as be the most difficult thing yeah, to do, I, I think guess.
2: The main problem we have is we. Don't read full books. Like, this is one thing we've learned, like, because of time and just things. Yes. We're used anymore. Used to. In, oh, yeah, All the time. I, yeah. Like, I would read 100 books a year, but since we launched 404, I can't. I think last year, I mean, last year I still read a lot, but not, like, anywhere near as much. And I think to put a novel out, it's so, not so much more effort, but you've got to be 100% behind one story. Yeah. And I think we've found working with short stories, there's a lot, I don't know, I think it just suits us a lot better just now, and we've not. Quite found the novel that yeah. we're like, this is the one. We're still very much in yet. yeah There's mm-hmm.
1: there's one by one author, certain author, who I'm trying to get out of him, but yeah. he's still working on it. Annoyingly. But yeah, it's so just, like, I don't
2: know, the novel just seems like trying. a big leap for yeah. us, and we're just like, we want it to be, I don't know, it's, I think it's a higher, harder and higher benchmark because mm. neither of us are big readers at the moment mm-hmm. because of everything else. So for us to like a novel. Or for us to publish a novel, it has to be something that we would read in our current state, yeah. I think, is how we're viewing it, because that's a pretty high benchmark to get past, but I don't...
0: But, you know, every publication we've talked about, and um, it's, as you say, if you looked at it as, a, as its own entity, mm-hmm. and you've put absolutely everything behind that one thing, and got it to the best that it can be, and, and you know, it sounds like you're doing the same with uh, Helen's collection. Mm-hmm. Um And it's... It's really refreshing to hear because I'm a huge mistake, as I'm sure both of you know, is that publishers when they start to get sell a few books, go well, let's sell ten or let's get let's, let's get all these and a mm-hmm. huge mistake of trying to kind of publish all these people that you mm-hmm. know, nobody can have read them all really that no. well to mm-hmm. say tick them off and go I think this I'm really behind this book mm-hmm. and as we know that can cause all sorts of issues in the long term. So you really would want to have someone that you go, yeah, I, I, like every other book we've done, we want to get this right and we're right behind it and we can almost know the audience that we're going to mm-hmm. be um, catered to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because I think the problem we're having just now is with everything that's going on, we do have open submissions and it's like our biggest failing is how long it takes us to read through them all. So we're trying to get through them because, I don't know, we just are. But yeah, I think the novel's just, it's just hard. Like, I don't know. Mm. I, there's not many novels that I pick up at the moment in general that I can get through, so actually to find one that we're like this is the one. Hopefully this year. I think we've got all of our books sorted for this year anyway. Not yeah. one single novel. Yeah. Again. I
1: think we're all pretty much programmed up to spring next year. Yes. Oh
2: yeah, that's true, we one next year. We got
1: yeah we have. Um but uh, But it'll happen. I'm I'm I think the thing it's is annoyingly it's, confident.
2: Yeah. I think a novel not necessarily that it takes more money but I think the risk on that one's greater and at the moment we're just doing lots of small not smaller projects mm-hmm. but these are kind of make. we want to be sustainable is basically the thing so yeah. like Nasty Women and Hines and all that was amazing and 2017 was amazing but this year we're looking forward to just quiet and being sensible and just working away and trying to like work out how to be sustainable and not crash and burn 404 yeah
0: yeah
2: and then once we have nailed that then the novel will come along oh, yeah. yeah yeah I'm just trying to be sensible this year
0: no, I mean absolutely I think that's right. You, you know, what you've also said is you want people to get paid, mm-hmm. which you know in creative industries is becoming more and more difficult. Or not mm-hmm. difficult, but just rare. Yeah. Um and you don't want to, to bankrupt yourself. And I think you know, we've kind of always gone back to old publishing models, but that was the problem with a lot of old publishing mm-hmm. models and why a lot of them are no no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Future, what are you doing next, is there anything you can talk about? We're we'll
2: launching a Kickstarter next week. <laughs> well, excellent timing. Yeah. yeah, um, we partnered with BHP Comics in Glasgow to do um, a graphic novel anthology called We Shall Fight Until We Win, and it's celebrating the centenary of the first wave of women getting the right to vote in the UK. All right. So we've got a lot of creators who are going to be kind of retelling a lot of the stories of women across all the decades since then. So from like suffragettes to. Um, firsts in politics and revolutionaries and um, activists and stuff like that we're Mm -hmm. still working out the actual what women are going to be covered in it but yeah we're launching that next week and I think that kind of a large part of that comes back to the payment thing because actually paying people in comics is a lot more expensive because obviously Mm -hmm. there's a lot more to it so that was one of the first things we had with BHP is like we need to work out how to pay people properly or we can't do it so we're just like kickstarter Yeah. so hopefully that goes well yeah
1: I hope people don't expect a Nasty Woman oh. 2 just because it's us on Kickstarter. That's going to be our biggest challenge to say mm-hmm. This isn't the same thing. It'd be nice to have quite so much excitement, but we're prepared for it to just...
2: And trickle.
0: Yeah. We you attempted Nasty Woman 2 sequel?
2: Oh, we were going to do one every year. Like, <laughs> well, this is how stupid we were at the start of 2017. We actually <laughs> thought we would do one every International Women's Day that Trump was in power. Because we were... Idiots, basically. But yeah, we, it's just we were when,
1: drunk on the power. Yeah, we're, <laughs> like, <laughs> we're, like we're gonna this. do one.
2: If, I think we did it in the back of the nasty. We put it in the like. We'll be publishing for as long. Which I mean, we will when we watch up and stuff. But like in the back of nasty women, we went on some high horse about how many stuff we're <laughs> gonna bump how many things we're gonna publish.
1: Yeah. No, I, and, I, 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 like the idea of um, if uh, he's still around after four years, or maybe even eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that's two terms, isn't it? That's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, there may be uh, a kind of retrospective. Maybe we'll publish um, a collection of uh, maybe some of the same writers on a like yeah. Reflection, yeah. reflection of what's yes. happened, uh, maybe some news stories. I can see there being something, and I, I think it would be nice to do something that kind of wraps up that, yeah. um, that name of Nasty women, and then we don't have to touch it again. Yeah. But, yeah, we will. Because we yeah.
2: do get asked quite a lot about doing other anthologies that are kinda similar, but we're just like nasty women's our thing and we don't want to like we don't want to A dilute nasty women and take mm-hmm. away the impact but we also don't want to do a disservice to other books who were like, Well we can't we can't do that again. Like there's yeah. no way it'll be anywhere near the same. So we've had this weird thing with anthologies where we're like people think we would we would uh, we would like to do more and a lot of people come to us, but we're just like we can't do it the same justice no. Especially so close to it, so it's a bit tricky. No.
1: But in terms of future, we are doing another anthology. Yeah, note, we're doing another. Anthology. In two thousand and nineteen, um, the Queer Words Project Scotland, which is run by Ryan Vance, mm-hmm. he approached us. Oh, months ago. Yeah. With like, a beautiful start. pitch, with had spreadsheets and it had graphs. graphs. <laughs> it was amazing. Like we we never get taken out to coffee and then have a presentation about why we should publish their book. Um, but it was very much aligned in well in line with. Our ethos is, like, if we're going to publish an anthology, it needs to be, again, it needs to be of its own. It'll have its own purpose. Mm -hmm. And this one's much more local, you know, because it's um, for queer writers in Scotland. Mm -hmm. Um, So this will be very much of an audience just locally. But it's nice that that's all entirely in um, his power. We're kind of, I say, just the publishers. We're going to pop in on this as soon as he's um, got work. But the theme behind it is that he's got four mentors Available for um, queer writers to work on their writing, whether it's about actually in reference to queer themes or not. Mm-hmm. Like he's, uh, the point is that they just have a bit more representation um, because a lot of queer writers feel like they're not represented right now. Um, so he'll be working over that over the next few months um, and get writing from these people who will be mentored, and then we'll publish the anthology sometime next year. Yeah,
2: when when does this podcast go online? Just because the deadline's like not passed yet. But if it's not online in time. Do you know when it is? Monday. Oh, it's Monday. Never mind then. We
0: can <laughs> probably get this out for I mean, Monday. No, nah. Because then you'd have to,
2: I was like, they'd have to just rush submissions. Yes. But yeah, no, that's cool. Mm. But yeah, it's just one of those like, we get so many pictures, but we just saw that one and he was just so, like, perfectly, like, this is where 404 fit in. I, fit, I don't know. Quite excited for that one. Mm. It's also it's, the furthest ahead we've planned anything because we're quite Yeah, over short a year. It was really, it's yeah.
1: really nice to have this little. Project that I'm sure we're going to get far too comfortable about. We're going to oh, yeah. forget about it, and then it'll creep up, and it'll be like, oh, it's a few months away. Great. <laughs> yeah.
0: So when you, I mean, you say that yeah, for this year you've said we're going to take days off, and we're going to um, you know just hopefully go and see more things, and just you know, going to mm-hmm. smell the coffee. Is that right? mm-hmm. um, has it been? Has it been hard going? Obviously, that's a stupid question, but
1: yeah. Yeah, we had a. Breakdown, burnout moment in December where because it was after the Creeper tour because that Mm. was just so we were on the tour around UK we came we flew back up to Edinburgh to launch the third magazine flew flew back down the next day for a gig then that was the snow thing happened and then we had to get back up and then we had the Glasgow gig yeah and then we were done but I was still working at the Christmas
2: market because I I worked there and I started a freelance job the day we came back Yeah, but we were planning on writing a blog about it prior to that but then those two weeks happened and we were just like we'd kind of not gone off that we're like we don't know if we're going to have time to do it and then we were like after those two weeks we're like we need to find so we wrote a blog called we're tired as fuck (laughs) and it's literally just an outline of all the stuff that you don't see and we're like it's kind of important to acknowledge because we've been in the position where we, stuff hasn't been going well for us work wise or whatever mm-hmm. and then you see someone else succeed and you're just like why is that not me everything's yeah. amazing for everyone else so we're like we want to write a blog to highlight the fact that we've had an amazing year but personally it has taken a huge toll and it's sure. like we had a really rough and even beyond like just the personal toll we had like stuff like both of us had a grandparent die mm. and it was rubbish basically obviously but um, we didn't really post that online because we just keep our Oh yeah. We have yeah. the whole, everything's amazing. So yeah, we wanted to do that, but we also just wanted to acknowledge like our failings of like we can't get back to emails as quickly as we'd like. There's a volume of stuff that we can't deal with. We also are self inflicting it because we don't take any time off. We would work seven days a week into the night for stuff. So then it was actually just this point of going, we're actually going to take a day off a week. Mm. We're actually not going to do this. We're, I don't know. We're gonna feel less bad about not getting back to emails as quickly as we'd like because we are still doing it. It's just taking a long time and it's just I don't know.
1: This is funny, since we put out that blog, a lot of people have come and apologised. Mm-hmm. I'm really sorry for sending you so many emails on that day. I'm so sorry for doing that. Uh like, oh, it's still not right really, it's fine. Yeah. Um I had I took Saturday off last yeah, week Yeah, I've been I taking think.
2: actual days off. I sat
1: on that sofa in the duvet, <laughs> I just played Assassin's Creed all day. I think it was eight hours. I just played video games. It was so
2: yeah I've been I mean I'm not really ha- I'm getting married in two weeks and I'm like oh I've got to do something yeah, gotta don't really
0: but uh, that's um, quite extreme to take time off <laughs> I know
2: but I'm like I've booked a two week holiday and yeah. I've booked another holiday this week so I mean like we're actually making ourselves do it and I think the other thing is we were always quite good at if one person was burning out the other person would refuse to reply to them so they'd have to stop working yeah. so now we've got quite good at telling the other person they're burning out rather than just ghosting them and hoping they stop working yeah mm. But yeah, I think no. I think this year, I mean, it's only, been, what, three weeks, four weeks. But we've got better at balance and stuff. It's just Nasty Women set off this whole snowball thing last year that we just couldn't really stop. And actually having mm-hmm. the few weeks over Christmas. Because we didn't have last Christmas off because of Nasty Women. We mm. worked every day. Yeah. And it never occurred to us until this year that we did that. So I think the year was amazing, but it's also quite good for really realising where our limits were. Mm. So that's why we're looking forward to a quiet year.
0: Well, um, I hope you realise how uh, worth it it has all been because it's been the mm-hmm. most kind of inspiring story in Scottish publishing for years, I think, anyway oh, That's nice
1: <laughs> um,
0: And I think that's the perfect place to leave it, so thanks for mm. talking to us Thank you And uh, we'll be back uh, very soon with something completely different Cheers. <laughs>